Hello, welcome to This Stuff. I'm Nat. And I'm Ozzy. And we're joined this week by Herc, comic smith, and narrative graphics engineer. It's his official job title. Hello. And, uh, we, you've got, we, we've known you about 20 something years, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Since the 20th 20 century, I reckon. Yeah, late, very, very late 20th century. Late in the 20th century, you remember, in the Cold War. Um, <laughs> and uh, we used to do comics stuff together back in the day, and you've gone on to do proper comics with square spines, proper <laughs> graphic novels that can go on your shelf and you wouldn't lose them. You'd be able to find them. And uh, you, you, yeah, books. Books, drawings. <laughs> books, yeah, books. drawings. And your latest book with drawings, Jinx Freeze, it's out this week, 7th? Yes, I think it's out on the 7th of October. And it's, um, yeah, from Avery Hill Publishing. And yeah, I, I don't, yeah, there's a um, book plate that comes with it if you pre order from them. So you have to get in quite quick to pre order yeah. it because it get comes it. out like. But it's so now. soon, you haven't even got a copy yet. So, you know. No, I haven't got it's, it yet. I haven't seen it. But. It's fresh mean? off the press, but it's but you haven't got it. So it's in a, it's in a van. To be fair, it's in a van, but there's no petrol in the van. So yeah. that could be it. Yeah. <laughs> that could be it. It's just in a van, in a lay by in Kent. It's warm off the press. Yeah. It was hot. I know now what it's it cooling like, down. You know, but <laughs> you I haven't seen it. <laughs> What's it about? What's it about? What's the premise? Uh, it's kind of, it, I suppose it's sort of um, like a crime. It is got elements of like a crime heist type mm-hmm. thing going on with bits of sci-fi. Maybe it's kind of hard to explain. It is a bit of a an experiment. There's lots of stuff in it, but. Yeah, it is kind of um, a crime caper at heart, but with lots of other stuff kind of mixed in. And I imagine it's probably quite funny and looks good. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I'm quite, I'm pleased with it and I hope, it. yeah, I think it does look good and maybe, yeah, it is meant to be funny. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I did it. And the crime (laughs) connection, today we're going to do the top five TV cops. Because you're a crimesman as well as a comic smith. I'm not saying you're a criminal, <laughs> but I think, you're a, I think you revel in the crimes. Yeah, I do often have uh, cop characters in my books. So we sort of, yeah, we, we did think about it ages ago, didn't we? Yeah. And we sort of didn't know whether to go for actual cops or sleuths and detectives that didn't work for the police but we've ended up very much in the realm of the 5-0 the busies i just realized just occurred to me this is incredibly bad timing for doing a top five cops because the police are probably at their low point in their popularity in the entire history of these aisles this is true but i think we're dealing with uh our cops are all fictional so they're kind of like a it's a different bracket i think and um i think the cops certainly the cops on my list some of them i'd say a couple of them are quite bad cops but in generally you know they're they're kind of quite likable good cops uh, good cops um 
yeah i mean you know at the best of times i guess there's probably you can be critical of the cops and some of the best characters are probably cops who are a bit well actually i'm trying to think if any of mine are bad yeah no one of mine is a kind of he's on the cusp of being a bad copper but he's fictional they're all fictional and they're good characters and we kind of we kind of uh, we kind of flip between detectives uh we could inc- whether we could include private detectives or whether it was just mm. the police but we've ended up with just the police right yeah i've tried to be quite uh strict about it and there's some that i would have put in who would be in honorable mentions but it's also given a scope for us all to meet up again and do cinematic police detectives or fictional detectives who aren't in the police <laughs> so we've got a lot of scope we've got a lot of scope pis private dicks private dicks but these we're doing public dicks yeah we're doing public dicks <laughs> good stuff top uh, five public dicks top five public dicks uh Hurt, will you kick us off with your number five okay right my number five is commander George Gideon of Scotland Yard. Oh. Right. And this is one that I've got to admit, my, my list is, it's very skewed and uh, on nostalgia, it's very nostalgia driven. Right. This is the best. And I think this will tie in more with the kind of books you do as well. Mm. And it's, um, but this is one that I didn't, it's not nostalgia because I didn't grow up. This is well before my time. This was sort of, 1964 to 1966 and it's John Gregson and um yeah it's it's very much I've chosen it because I've got into it very much in the last couple of years watching it on on sort of repeats on tv but it's like the epitome of that kind of apart from like maybe there are other cops like this but it's that sort of uh, sort of good, the, the sort of ultimate good copper, sort of English Bobby type thing. Although he's yeah. not, because he's he's actually the big man in charge. He's like the commander at Scotland Yard. But and this is is this Scott? Is the show called Scotland Yard? Show's called Gideon's Way. Ah, and right. There was a film, I think, it's 1958, with um, Jack Warner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As as Gideon. So that wasn't was Jack about... Warner also Dixon? He was Dixon or Doc Green, wasn't was he? Was he Dixon or Doc Green? I think he it's is very much in that. This copper cozy. is very much in that. Yeah, very cosy. And um, so, yeah, he was originally played by Jack Warner, but this, that was a film and this is the TV show and it's John Gregson. And yeah, he's very good in it. And it is very cosy and they split it up so that, they sort of focus on his home life a bit. And it's all very old fashioned and twee, but it's very sort of, um, yeah, it's very I don't know Gideon's Way, but I reckon that sounds up my... Up I think my you'd handle. like it. Yeah, it's worth a watch. And it's, what, what, how, how are you watching it? What, 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 what channel is it on? It's, I don't think it's on right at the moment, but I have been watching it on Talking Pictures in, be- in between life insurance adverts and um, mattresses. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, I love I love talking pictures. I feel like um, 
I feel and you get it now. A certain age. Well, I have intermittent signal on talking pictures, which I find incredibly frustrating. I seem to get it for about six months a year. Uh, very much for a while, I was getting up early every Saturday and Sunday to watch Cracker Jack. Not Cracker Jack. Uh, Run Around was on <laughs> okay. in the mornings for a while. Uh, but if I'm watching a long-running serial, it's really I, I find it quite frightening because I'm worried that I'll get into <laughs> it and then I won't have it one week. But over lockdown, I was watching Talking Pictures a lot. It really came through for me in uh, in that dark period of time. I got really into Budgie on Talking Pictures. Oh yeah, yeah, great show. Budgie. Anyway, yeah, he's they're, not they're, a cop. they're showing a lot of the on on the weekends. They show a lot of the Children's Film Foundation films. And a lot of old ones I've never seen, like quite early ones. Mm. Um, I don't, yeah. I'm not as keen on the early ones, but I just think maybe that's nostalgia as well. I like seeing ones that I've got some memory of or mm. sort of 70s era most. I, I think. do prefer the 70s ones. The, the sort of early, did they do them in the 50s or were they just early mm, 60s? I think so. but I they always have a professor whose lab is in, a, you know, in the countryside manor house. And he's got a whole laboratory in there and he's just invented something. There was one where, I don't know, he's invented some oil detector, which is like a little briefcase that detects where oil is. Yeah, always a briefcase. And, uh, and obviously that's going to be uh, a prime target for villains to have that away. Of course. So, of course. But yeah, yeah, talking. But it wasn't, did I say Jack Warner? It's Jack Hawkins in the film. Oh, Jack Hawkins. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Not Jack Warner. Jack Hawkins. Jack yeah. Hawkins is great, actually. I'd certainly watch the film of Gideon's Way then. Be up to that. So I take it Gideon's Way is very much in the old Scotland Yard, not the newfangled Scotland Yard. Must be. Yeah, yeah, this in is. The yeah. Of town. Original old Scotland Yard. Or was it called New Scotland Yard then? I don't no, know. it was called Old Scotland Yard. No, I think it was just called Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard, and probably. It, it didn't oh, yeah. become Old Scotland Yard until they made the New Scotland Yard. It's a <laughs> that makes like, sense. Now like you've said you that. become like, you know, Mr. Jones Senior, but you don't become that until you have a child. True. Even if, even if you get old. If you're old and childless, <laughs> you're still Mr. Jones. You might even still be Mr. Jones Junior. The same happens with Scotland Yards. <laughs> I'll do my number five. My number five, and mine are going to skew a different way. My, my number five is Detective Bobby Simone of the New York Police Department, of, uh, played by Jimmy Smits on NYPD Blue in the 90s. I don't know, probably into the 2000s, but mostly in the 90s. And to me, it's a like, teenager. He was like the coolest guy on the telly, which now I'm like, that's ridiculous. Cause he's like a guy <laughs> in a trench coat with like slick back hair. And you know, he has all these lame lines and he never smiles really. Even when he's like, like he falls in love, you know, with his colleague and it's Kim Delaney and she's great. And they, they have a great relationship, but he just kind of looks at her all cold all the time. He never kind of smiles or shows much warmth or anything really. And he returns as a ghost after he's died. That's pretty good really classy when they do that in a show that has no other kind of mystical element. <laughs> yeah. you know? But they're like, oh, like our biggest star or second biggest star, because probably old Andy Sipowitz was the, the star. But it's like, we've got to get the other guy back as a ghost. And, you know, you know, the show is a bit over by then, really. That always creeped me out in when I was a kid, when there'd be like a, a TV show that was, you know, just run of the mill, just a normal, like the, the one I can think of off the top of my head is The Waltons. 
there was an episode of that where there's a poltergeist in it <laughs> and her like she's got like one of those like raggedy ann doll things that comes to life and he's like rocking on a rocking chair on its own and her going so does that mean they're real like this is yeah if you int- if you bring these into something which is otherwise a totally straight show that's that's messing with things you know yeah see they, they do it occasionally on something like neighbors but neighbors feels like it can do that it feels like the credibility <laughs> of the show is enough that that sort of you go sure Neighbours could do anything, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, you're, when your sex are even two-dimensional, they're one-dimensional. You can do anything because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like paper cutouts. I saw a Neighbours probably, it's probably a couple of years ago now, and I hadn't seen Neighbours for like, I don't know, maybe 20 years, maybe more. And it just happened to be an episode which had uh, Paul Robinson uh, sees Jim Robinson's ghost. And Jim Robinson, and I went, I can't believe my luck. Can't believe my luck. I haven't seen it in 20 years. Of all the episodes to watch, I watch one where Jim Robinson pops back up as a ghost. Was it him, the the, the actor? Yeah, they got him back, yeah. Because he's I very he's successful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because all those shows, I think, at the time were filming in Australia as well. So uh... did, they, did they do it like Obi-Wan or Yoda? Was it like a sort of hologram? No, it wasn't. No, no, they didn't do anything like that. They, he just kind of showed up and had a bit of a chat. And I think it actually turned out that the reason they did it was that it was kind of an anniversary special. It was, it was like a regular length one, just happened to be on. And I was like, wow, what a treat. It's like, <laughs> and you know what? Had I known it was an anniversary special, I might have made an effort to watch it, see what was going on, especially if I knew it was going to have Jim Robinson's ghost pop up. Right, you've derailed this thoroughly, but Bobby Simone, Detective Bobby Simone from NYPD Blue, I loved it at the time, uh, and I thought it was great. I wasn't as into uh, uh, NYPD Blue. I never quite got into it. What, was he, because they had David Caruso for a bit. There was Dennis Franz, wasn't there? He was Sipowitz, yeah. who I like now, but at the time I hadn't really seen him on stuff. But I now like him from like um, Brian De Palma films and things. And yeah, David Caruso, then I think it was Jimmy Smith. Yeah, he's a replacement. And then I think it was... That blonde guy, wasn't it, who came in, who was the little kid from Champ who grew up to be like a, a police detective. Um, yeah, but I was never as into it as a, a lot of things were. It's kind oh. of like a, I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest. And that's yeah. what, my list is, all the, my list is very like, when I looked at it, going, well, there's not really anything after a certain period, really. Mm-hmm. And I know the weird thing is, since... Even probably like maybe the last twenty years, there's a lot of really good cop shows yeah. and really good characters, and also uh, not just men. You know, there's a good right diversity now, but I haven't really seen a lot of them. I don't, mm. It's not the sort of thing. So my yeah, this is this is one that I'm not really up on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've missed out though. I feel like NYPD Blue is is probably a good one and it was always a good reference point for for shaky cameras i think there's, it? It was always, i uh, think there's much mm. better stuff come after it you know it, it, it was an important stepping stone to get to your to your other good american cop shows that have come since sure. you know i think it was botchko wasn't it, it did, yeah um, Steven and and yeah my number five is lieutenant frank drebin from police squad uh 
it's a, it's a show that I haven't really revisited at all, or any of the uh, Naked Gun movies. Uh, I should probably say that Frank Drebin is Leslie Nielsen in the show Police Squad, and it's probably the only overtly comic one on my list. Uh, but I was thinking about how much I remember when I was, I guess it was probably at the time police uh, naked gun came out, they released police squad on VHS and it was before they started showing it, I think on BBC two quite soon afterwards. And I'd never seen it before. I don't know if it was on earlier than that, but I wasn't aware of this TV series at all. And I was kind of blown away that there was a, basically a naked gun TV show before the naked gun. And I remember it being, at the time, watching that VHS and it kind of being wild at how funny it was. Okay, I remember not really not laughing at anything like that as much and just being kind of like almost like hysterical watching it uh, right from the kind of, you know, the the opening credits of the uh, police siren and it just going to all different places or upside <laughs> down or uh, as bumper cars and all that kind of... Apparently that was like, it was based on... Uh, an American TV show I was looking at today that was called uh, The New Breed, which was also starred Leslie Nielsen. And much like Airplane, he was just this really serious actor that they were just basically getting him almost to like remake old shows that he'd done, starring himself a bit older, where he's basically kind of taking the mickey out of all these old shows he used to do. It's so weird now to see him in anything where he's serious or he's kind of playing not playing anything for laughs and certainly growing up i never was aware of him in anything remotely serious he just seemed to be this kind of middle-aged bloke who was showing up in these sort of comedies from out of nowhere i had no idea that he'd been this sort of essentially like tv actor uh in hollywood for years and years and years and 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 i think with like uh zucker abrams and zucker he really was just recreating like airplane i'm pretty sure he's just a remake Pretty, and it, I think has a lot of the same dialogue from another disaster aeroplane movie that Leslie Nielsen was in playing virtually <laughs> the same character. And this is the same, I think. This is a thing, like it's sort of based on, there's a lot of series which I don't think we got over here that it's kind of based on. But I do remember that show being kind of so funny. And I'm almost worried to revisit it in case it's like, I'm sure it's silly and dumb, but whether I would still find it funny. They even spun it off over here, do you remember? They did it as, um, when they used to do the end, when they used to do the freeze frame, um, and the credits would roll over the actors trying to not to move. Um, and they recreated it. They did an ad. I can't think what the ad was for with Leslie Nielsen, basically doing that same gag, where it was like a sort of freeze frame for a bit where, and there's one where he's, that really made me laugh, where it ends with him laughing and pouring coffee. And, uh, then it goes to the credits where he's still pouring coffee and there's another person holding a mug of coffee whose hands being burnt and he's trying not to move. <laughs> I still think of that a lot. This is that great bit of kind of great bit of sort of physical comedy. It's my number five. I used to, I used to love that. In fact, that he was going to make my, my list, Frank Drebin. And I can't remember if, I saw it before the films come out or not, but they definitely used to show it either 
late night slot on sort of BBC Two or Channel Four, or maybe even that sort of early evening, like seven o'clock slot on BBC Two. But mm. I was definitely aware of it. But I don't think there's there's only about is there only about eight episodes or something? There's six episodes. Six, six yeah. episodes. It got cancelled. It's crazy. So like it's, yeah, uh, yeah. They only made like six of them. Perfect for one VHS, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, well, at the time, that was two. That's how, that how tight they were. Yeah, you had to get two VHSs to get the whole series. Yeah, and you yeah, because I remember the complete box set. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, it's from '82, so it may well have been on earlier without me seeing it. But I remember it got re-shown again quite soon after we got the VHS of it, and. Um, and apparently that was it. It was just a thing that came on, didn't do well, but then got repeated a lot in the states, and then had a fret, like a, had a cult audience. And the fact that it was, there was so few of them, and that's what eventually led them to doing the movie. That they were just like, "All oh, right, we could make a whole, uh, we could do a whole film with this character now because he's sort of established as this sort of." It was a failed TV show, essentially. I love it. Failed TV show, turn it into a film, a blockbuster film series. Right, my number four is the complete opposite to my number five, and it is Jack Regan from The Flying Squad, from The Sweeney, played by John Thor from, when was it on? 74 to 78. Is that and Wow. Yeah, I don't know how many, 54 episodes. Oh, I don't okay. know how many series, but... Um, yeah, he's a bad cop, really, isn't he? So he's a bit, you know, it's that is, is that sort of what's become that cliche of the seventies, sort of rough, tough cop. But I think he's got he he's got such a good lot of lines in it that, are, yeah, such good dialogue in it. It's Houston films that I kind of like most things that they do, and apparently they filmed it. They're, they're Scotland Yard or wherever. Was it, is it set in Scotland Yard? But their know. office, they filmed it in the in the sort of um, Euston Films offices. So it's in like Hammersmith. I was going to say. Apparently everything they filmed was about one mile from the uh, <laughs> office. I know it's often in like, like is it Richmond or around that way? You often see bits of like, and like Fulham and places like that, you sort of see bits and go, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. It's that sort of recognised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I should probably say as well that my number four is also Jack Regan. So we've got okay. a double up. We've got a double up. Yeah, I like Jack Regan a lot. But, he's yeah, he's a bad cop. He At the time, I mean, he's kind of the sort of no-nonsense, tough cop. And I guess the idea is that he is... They kind of justify it by having it that the villains are super tough. These are bad people who have shooters. So he also has to kind of match them, go toe to toe. And it's very, it's a kind of, it's a British show. Like you say, it's Houston film shot on film. And at the time looks so much better than any other British TV show. Um, and there was a pilot, which was like a TV movie. And I think initially they were saying, I guess we'll do like a sort of studio TV version of it. Yeah, and then Regan, they just fronted which... the money and just went, yeah, they went, no, let's do it properly and have a proper. And so with that, they were able to make it, it feels tougher. And by shooting it on film, it has a more sort of realistic quality to it. So it does feel like it's automatically kind of changed 
TV overnight just by making those kind of decisions by having something that suddenly looks realistic and tough. And when when you've got all those shows like Life on Mars, where they're kind of going, oh, let's try and do a sort of Jack Regan style cop again, you sort of when you compare them, you realize something like Life on Mars is really like a cartoon Jack Regan, whereas The Sweeney is like a proper tough show. It's not to say it's not funny, but it is a it is quite a hard show. I think often when it's repeated on ITV4 or whatever, they're very cut as well because it's very violent, very hard and tough. But one of the things about it, the decision to shoot it on film and just the kind of quality of the writing, which I think is, is, is it Ian Kennedy Martin, I think, rather than Troy Kennedy Martin? And it makes them really watchable, which is why for the longest times, it's probably why you don't think it's as old as it is because it was just repeated again and again. Yeah, it was it never, all the like, time, right? Yeah. It was just on always. And they're really watchable. It's only really things like haircuts that date it. It's it's a very cars, like, cars yeah, definitely cars. 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 Just, yeah. All I can think of is hopping out of cars, <laughs> running around another car, and sort of like you know <laughs> slamming someone against the car. And it's like, oh, those cars are rubbish. Like they're not cool. They're not. There's maybe one cool car in the show, and then there's the rest are just like rubbish seventies cars. <laughs> I, I used to have a boss who was like a, an ex copper. And he was very much in the sort of in the sort of village Bobby type mold down in Surrey or somewhere. And he said in their building, like, and this would have been like, yeah, this would have been back then in the 70s. In the building at night, when that came on, all like the CID would be in there watching it. Like <laughs> avidly, like getting all the lines. And then the next day they'd be using all the lingo in the oh, station, all the catchphrases <laughs> and that when they arrested someone. <laughs> that's hilarious but, it's the opposite of what they do now which is like send scriptwriters <laughs> to the police stations to copy down what they actually say right <laughs> yeah you got any favorite lines from the sweeney i quite like the uh we're the sweeney son and we haven't had any dinner so unless you want to kick one. in <laughs> tell us where it is <laughs> oh, oh there's a bit there's a bit there's a one where they're playing football and he kicks the ball over the wall and he says, oh, you've got a football. He says, football, you know, little round thing, you kick it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, I, I saw on YouTube, actually, there's a video, I don't know if you've seen that, of Dennis Waterman's This Is Your Life. Not, not the complete episode, but there's footage of Eamon Andrews speeding around uh, in a police uniform <laughs> in an old rover and um, John Thor is in on it and it's Dennis Waterman's This Is Your Life but it's like 1978 so he was only like 30 yeah, yeah. So, yeah he would have been young I, I know he would have done lots because he's a child actor and everything but yeah, still course, he hadn't even yeah. done Minder then no yeah. no it's all pre-Minder for uh, Waterman yeah, I, used, no, it's a, I used to think that like you wouldn't do that now with um, this is your life. If you were doing this is your life now, you you it would be all really old people because anyone younger would be like, no, I'm not doing that because I'll never get any more roles because yeah. like, that's yeah, the end yeah. of my career. You know, like how like how when they try and give out those lifetime achievement awards, they all get turned down all the time because people are like, no, I'm still touring. You know? <laughs> that's Tom Jones. Obviously. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Because yeah, yeah. um, it was also like it was made at the time that there was all that kind of huge police corruption thing came out kind of for the first, not that police corruption was a new thing, but at the time when the kind of press got hold of it 
and that was all the flying squad so they kind of had to reflect that as well but it was kind of interesting as it was a bit of life mirroring art mirroring reality almost by accident i think to the point where it became i think in the later episodes they almost had to make um they had to make episodes where some of them but not regan were taking bungs from villains and you know he had to sort out some of his own so it was that like but that's you know at the same time he's like he's not a good cop but he's like a kind of he's he's sort of an american style dirty harry i guess or yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's got that sort of i guess that's probably more of an influence but it's a very watchable show like it, it's one of those shows that almost feels a bit like uh it's it sort of seen as almost the kind of show that jeremy clarkson would watch but it's actually a really good watchable show <laughs> uh, you know it it's, feels almost, like it's almost it's become such a like almost like a trope like an idea yeah. it doesn't actually bear relation to what it actually is if you watch the show which yeah. is like oh this is quite it's almost bleak in how um kind mm. of tough it is and yeah and it's kind of interesting that's part of it that it, you know it does become a thing that what what the time might have been seen as quite hard going but it sort of shows it is actually reflective of a lot of what was going on and if anything it wasn't going nearly as far far enough into what was actually happening in uh, the real flying squad of the 70s uh my number four is another american one from the same era as my number five is detective frank pembleton of uh, uh homicide life on the streets uh played by andre brower and to me that's like the most intense cop on tv ever the most intense and one of the most intense performances by an actor it's just almost oppressed he's almost he's like a guy that you kind of root for but he's kind of terrifying mm. and and it gives this real kind of sort of i assume he was a theater actor before you know his 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 you know you probably know that but like he he just got this super intense like you know almost like theatrical shakespearean style and he's like you know a baltimore cop black baltimore cop and the, do, you, do you remember the episode with racist character played by steve buscemi yes i do yeah. and like pembleton you know he's like let me let me get in there let me get in there and talk to him you know they've got him in the pen or whatever they've got him in the the room i can't remember what it's called the interrogation room you know and he's like let me get in there and they're like no 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 no. you know you know no and he goes in there and he, you know and he get you know he, him and steve buscemi have this like face off and he gets to him so much that he finally, you know, does kind of, you know, he implicates himself and he's really racist and he implicates himself. And, you know, Pemilton's like, he's mad as hell, but he's like, holds himself back and he's so pleased with himself because he, you know, he managed to, he, he didn't lose it. He stayed in there, just stayed on the right side of the line and he, you know, he got the man. So he was like a real, like kind of cult hero at that time, like, I don't know, me or you or somebody, I remember Nat, we'd like, we'd like talk about, oh, did you watch that? Yeah, he's great sort of thing. But he didn't feel like he was famous. Now he's famous in a show yeah, yeah, that I have no intention of watching. Mate, same. He's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine now, like a sitcom that almost feels like, what a waste. I mean, people love it, and I'm sure it's like, and now he's sort of beloved as well. But it's he's like, a sort of beloved It's like a crap, crap version of the character from The Homicide, but anyway. <laughs> I know, but uh, like, uh, this, Frank Pemberton, would have been on my list. And of all the, again, of all the cops that are in Homicide Life on the Street and all the great cops that are in Homicide Life on the Streets, it still would have been Frank Pemberton. I didn't pick it for a reason I'll explain later, 
but I love Frank Pemberton and I love Andre Brown and he was such a kind of he is one of those actors that that show really introduced me to him and it's like who's he he's got such kind of presence and sort of not so much star quality because he's like he's definitely a character actor but like yeah. you say I don't know what his background is I imagine the same like he's theatre and proper like I imagine he's like very good theatre as well like I think he's probably like a either a New York or Los Angeles actor who's very well known for years and years doing proper serious plays and then at some point they go let's get him on the telly yeah let's, like, get, I feel let's like make him a it, cop yeah if anything I imagine uh Brooklyn Nine-Nine now is probably like a retirement fund for him it's probably like easy easy job and he deserves it he's such an incredible intense actor so lovable even though the character's got this almost sort of he's so um like he, everything's held back as well yeah he's almost Apart like on from, fire yeah, like yeah, exactly. underneath his skin do you know what I mean yeah. he's like oh, I love Frank Pelton and huh? and the episode where he has a stroke is genuinely one of the most shocking episodes of anything I've ever seen absolutely incredible and just like those shows at that time this is what I, I always meant about NYPD Blue and I think the problem I had with it was that it was kind of on almost like they kind of swap over wouldn't they with homicide for like half the year or something yeah they you'd did. have like you kind of go oh well NYPD Blue's big so let's get homicide on well, as a replacement and for me I always felt like NYPD Blue was like the bad one and I was like oh no I want to watch more homicide homicide is the one that I was kind of I thought it was an incredible show absolutely loved it and I've never those sort of David Simon um shows like they, they were stressful to watch yeah totally and I'd be stressful. almost like I'd be kind of like I'd, and just things like that episodes like that where he has a stroke like it's almost like your heart's going it's stressful to watch and you've stayed up late to watch it right because yeah. it was like, like 100 o'clock on channel four <laughs> and so you've stayed up late to watch it and then after you've watched it you're like jesus that was stressful oh, i can't go to bed now yeah time time tracks what it was called <laughs> no, i have to watch some, i have to watch some night screen just to calm down how long did it run for huh? like when did oh, it five years five, maybe? Also five yeah. series yeah it, again though i think it tails off as it gets on a bit because it's one of those ones where like there's characters by the end it's like a lot of the characters are gone and you're a bit like ah yeah because i mean it had you know it had like yafik koto you know it, as the yeah. as the the commander al giardello fantastic yeah. you know just to like it really had some everyone in it was cast like for their looks as well do you know what i mean like yeah they're, they're great actors all of them but they were totally cast for like they look like when you compare them to each other it's like having sort of cartoon characters because of the difference it's like this guy's like super tall with huge eyebrows and then this guy's like absolutely like a you know, like a mile wide and you know made of stone and you know what i mean they all just like look like real characters and uh detective munch from that show is the guy who's oh. responsible for the the multiverse that he because he, he ended up being in the simpsons playing detective munch uh he's in law and order playing detective munch he's in the x-files playing detective munch and so they kind of kept like it was almost like a joke that they just kept casting him like oh why don't we just get the guy from homicide to play that character in our show which kind of created that whole idea that all american tv is a shared universe yeah he's in because, the wire as well isn't he yeah the wire yeah he yeah. pops up in the wire he pops up uh he's he's um uh idris elba is luther he's luther's like american contact 
wow. in the States. So even in the UK, it, he's kind of like, it, but you kind of feel like in Luther, it's probably done as a joke to be like, oh, we want it to tie it in with those shows. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? See, it also automatically makes your show feel a bit better. You go, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually more interested now if I think it's in the same, yeah. if you can call up Munch. I don't want uh, to miss an Baltimore. episode of the, the Mulchverse. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he play? Didn't he do the voice to Inspector Munch in the Munch Bunch? Cartoons? <laughs> did he do that? We should do. We should he do. was the whole bunch, actually. Yeah. He, did, he did all of them. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely, Frank Pembleton, absolutely tacked on. I'd, I'd be disappointed if he wasn't somewhere in this list. Well, number three. Right. My number three is Sledgehammer. <laughs> um, played by what's David Rash? Is it Rash? Mm. Um, which I think you was, pronounce it Rash. Yeah, Rash. Which was what eighty-seven to ninety, and yeah, I when I I think it used to be did used to be on late, right? I think I remember of. it being on late night ITV. Yeah, I didn't know if it was BBC or ITV, but it was definitely one of those late ones. Maybe even like a night network show but yeah when I first saw that I thought it was like you know really screwball um out there comedy um but it's weird because only a few years earlier so it's basically like a the guy who wrote it uh did like a spoof of Dirty Harry so I think he wrote it in this in about 76 okay after yeah after dirty harry came out and then he shopped it around what's the guy's name alan spencer and i think he shopped it around everywhere trying to pitch this script and they were all like nah nah (laughs) and then by the time i think sudden impact came out which was about in the 80s 83 Mm. i think they went oh yeah that's, that's a good idea actually but a bit before I started watching Sledgehammer, I was really into another cop show called Hunter with Fred Dreyer, who was like no, a NFL, but he, he was very much a Dirty Harry ripoff. He was like a TV Dirty Harry sort of mm. with a magnum and everything. So seeing a spoof of it, I just thought it was great. And I have revisited it and it's not bad. I mean, he's kind of an, you know, he's an idiot, but he's kind of a likable idiot. And it's really, I think, well acted. Um, I remember always wanting, like, I rarely got to see it, but it was one of those things that was very attractive to me, Sledgehammer. Like, oh, I've got to try and stay up for Sledgehammer. So it was on like a Saturday night, I think, or a Friday night. So it wasn't like a school night. So it was like plausible, but it was still on late enough where it was a bit like pushing it, like, <laughs> it's a bit much sledgehammer but i'm sure at the time i didn't take it as being a spoof at all i'm sure i took it deadly seriously <laughs> like this is yeah i've got to watch sledgehammer this is a it's on late and it's a proper cop show <laughs> uh, marvel comics released two issues of a sledgehammer comic i've read this so like have, have you seen it have you ever yeah, seen I, it I, I think i i certainly had them i don't think i've got them anymore because uh, I was excited that they did these comics. And it, even at the time, what's weird about it is it only ran for two issues, <laughs> which must give you some idea of like how unpopular it must have been. But they did, in the 80s, they did, Marvel did so much licensed stuff and it's kind yeah. of forgotten. Like, you know, now that it's like, you know, Marvel is 
an an IP in itself. Do you know what I mean? It's a wing mm. of Disney. It's like the Marvel universe. It's like the Marvel, Marvel published absolutely tons of comics that had nothing to do with the Marvel universe. You know what I mean? They He-Man comics, and I mean they did all those like video game cash-in ones. Do you know what I mean? Like Double Dragon. It's Double like Dragon, nothing yeah, about so. playing Double Dragon in the arcade makes you go, oh, I'd love to read a comic about this. It's like walking down the street hitting people with a steel bar. That's it. <laughs> You know? I'm pretty sure I can't think if it's issue one or issue two of Sledgehammer, Spider-Man guest stars. Of course. So it was like, um, so they're they're really going, they're really desperate for this thing to take off, but it obviously just didn't at all. But it's rare for anything to have such a short run of comics. Like yeah, you, you that, almost can't two get issues. the sales data before you exactly. can cancel it. In that case, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was cancelled before it was ever even released. They were like pull the plug. But it just seems <laughs> a weird one to choose. I know they were doing okay. it loads of different properties but yeah it's a weird choice it is it is comic yeah that's a good one though um my number three is uh dangerous davis uh dangerous davis is from well you saw from two things really he's from a tv movie i think again houston films called the last detective and he is played by Bernard Cribbins in the 1981 uh, TV film, The Last Detective. Again, often shows up on uh, Talking Pictures. Yeah, not long uh, ago. And, uh, and it was then later revived, I think in the late 90s, where the character's played by Peter Davison, who is kind of quite well cast. Because what he is, he, again, he is, it's probably a sort of update of Gideon's Way or something. Because he is like, he's a good cop. He's a nice cop operating out of Willesden. And I've never been to Willesden. It's too, it's too far west. But when you see it in it, when you see it, when you see it, it's like, um, it's basically suburban West London. And you go, right, it's really, and you get the impression it's quite low crime. And, uh, and, and the idea is he's the last detective, as in he is the last person who gets put up for jobs. He's like he's he's risen to the rank of detective, but no one wants him investigating it because he's not one of the big cops. He's he's Bernard Cribbins in the Last Detective, so he is, you know, like a kind of Bernard Cribbins. Everyone likes him. He's a nice guy, but he's not the cop people go for. And in it, um, it's based on a series of books by a guy called Leslie Thomas, and the books and and the, that TV film and the subsequent series later which I don't really think works as well, but it's, it's trying, it's trying to do something. It's sort of tacked on as the kind of thing that would, you could imagine there should have been a series of these with Bernard Cribbins because it's, it's this thing where it's him doing kind of quite low level police work, but picking up crimes that no one else wants to do. And often they don't want to do them for kind of political reasons within the police or it's just a, a case that's gone dead and he sort of picks them up because it's that thing where he's this sort of good local police detective because the other detectives are only interested in kind of headlines or there's political things within the police. So he picks up all these crimes. But what's weird about it is it's quite cosy and a lot of it is he does his detective work by going around like Patsy Rowland's house and having a cup of tea and chatting to her about like what's been going on and he's sort of piecing it all together um and he's got this friend called mod who in the cribbins one is played by bill maynard 
who was late, uh, Greengrass in Heartbeat. So it's like it's like Bird of Cribbins and Bill Maynard sort of hanging out in pubs. And Bill Maynard's kind of like this old old sort of hippie guy who I think sort of like from art school and things. So they're quite sort of mismatched. But they both sort of work together and they're all kind of, it's always operating in little pubs and him drinking cups of tea and things. But the thing that kind of, and it, it sort of rubs up against this idea that what he's doing, especially in the first one, he's investigating like a, a murder of this young girl. And it's got this sort of hard edge to it as well. So it's cozy and it's quite funny, but it's often dealing with these like really dark crimes that no one else will touch. And again, it's this thing where that this always has this thing again about police corruption, where it is sort of about these are the guys who are still doing the work and doing their best. And actually it's that they're the sort of, the idea is he's sort of the best copper because he is doing what he's supposed to be doing and what no one else can be bothered to do. And it's him doing this sort of quite low level police work, but he's very much based in the community. He's going around and he's finding out things from the families and things. And he's, and he's picking up these sort of dead cases and things because essentially he hasn't got anything else to do because no one gives him these big cases. So he picks up, and a lot of it is this thing where he's this sort of, you know, he's the sort of little man in the force that everyone's sort of treats as a joke or something. I kind of, I don't know if like something like a touch of frost is like that. That is a sort of cozy-ish element. But this seems to have this real, it's someone, it's Bernard Cribbins being, you know, a very kind of lovable Bernard Cribbins type. And it's funny, but it's weird that it also has this thing where it's dealing with quite hard crime and it is still this kind of West London suburb and he is still going up against all the kind of higher up coppers and he is dealing with police corruption. And he's really like, he's got this sort of dogged thing where he just doesn't let it lie. He's gonna, he's gonna solve it. Um, and the later ones are kind of, it's a, it's a great idea for that kind of ITV show. And again, it's like shot on film. So feels like a movie. And I think it's even like, it it does it's direct the 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 tv film is directed by val guess it's directed by like a a movie director of the 50s and 60s who is now doing tv but it is still a thing that you could in theory you could get it for your cinema you could you could have it as a movie but it it, it is sort of made for itv and it feels kind of itv ish like the kind of thing sort of perfect for it because it's quite low level and it's quite cozy but it does have this sort of very dark edge to it as well and it's interesting seeing these guys in it who are quite comic actors being funny, but then dealing with really serious crime. And so it has this sort of it. And, it, and sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable because it feels like a bit like it feels weird that you're doing this. But actually, the tone of it, I find quite attractive. I'm quite I find that that the fact it is so on it, it feels almost um harder or it feels like it you almost it's, it's slightly more disturbing that the people dealing with serious crime is bernard cribbins and bill maynard you know what i mean it has a sort of edge to it that it's them doing it and the fact they have been these kind of they spend a lot of it being quite jolly and and sort of cuddly and cozy it also makes it weird that when they're up against proper like horrible crime 
that it's them doing it. Mm-hmm. So it almost feels a bit more dangerous or a bit more, um, I don't know, like if it's like you, you sort of expect that stuff in shows that are trying to be really hard. And whereas in this, it's this thing where it's like, you sort of buy into it more because it's like, they're quite nice. He's a nice guy and he's a nice copper, but it's like the world isn't nice. And including the world he operates within the police isn't nice and cozy, but he's still like, you know, he's this thing where it's kind of attractive character because he's so moral and he's acting this thing where he's doing the job, which he thinks is his job more than the job he's told to do. He's like, well, this is what I do. And it's, and it's all set in that kind of quite, suburban west london so it feels like it's got an it's a bit like that it sort of feels like it's a little bit cozy but it's also still west london and it's not super cozy it's it yeah i like I, it a lot i didn't know there was a, a series of it actually but i yeah, stumbled this... i stumbled on the film which i think they retitled dangerous davies for the film oh, right version. okay yeah um but it is, it's like you say, because it's Bernard Cribbins, you just think, oh, this is like a sort of going to be a funny uh, children's film or something. Yeah. It's going to be good, but yeah. that's what you expect. So seeing him play play it really straight and at times quite grim situations, it's like you say, it's kind of jarring when you watch it. But, um, yeah, I didn't know there was a series of it. The series came years later. It seems weird. It really feels like you should have just made this because they sort of make it later. And someone like that, Peter Davison is the Bernard Cribbins character when it comes back. And I guess it's late 90s, mid to late 90s when they bring it back. Peter Davison is Doctor Who Peter yeah. Davison, yeah. All creatures great and small. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, again, he's a very likeable kind of actor, but he's it does lose something partly as well from not being able to take advantage of those kind of character actors that are around in that sort of early eighties period where you can imagine how good it could have been if it was all these kind of him visiting all these kind of character actors every week who are part of this plot and things. Mm -hmm. So it kind of loses something. So it's a shame they didn't kind of go to series at that point, but when you watch it, it's it's so obviously, a great idea for that kind of uh drama that almost like that is what i kind of think of as like itv crime drama because it's sort of it is a bit cozy but it also has can be quite grim and quite hard as well um and it feels like the kind of thing that when i watch it, i always go why didn't they do more of these it just feels really like a really good idea and really well cast and really um you know, it, it, it'd sort of be like, for me, the kind of, why aren't there three or four series of this? But maybe it was that. Maybe people found it difficult to get their head around Bernard Cribbins in this kind of, you know, mm. and it's certainly in the first one, it kind of ends with him getting beaten up and things. There's all that kind of stuff happening because he's getting too close to it. And there are these quite, um, you know, it's this sort of quite cosy world meeting real life yeah, yeah. crime as well i like it a lot my number three is sergeant Catherine kaywood now she's not a detective as such uh but she does detective work in the shows played by sarah lancashire on happy valley uh the sally wainwright drama series which is ongoing there's another one coming another series coming next year and 
I, I think it's phenomenal. I, you know, she's 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 bringing up her grandson. Her daughter was raped and murdered, and the grandson is the product of that rape. And the killer is the father, and he is he comes back around in the first series. Kind of thing. he reappears on the scene, and she, and and it's and it's you know involved and he's yeah he's trying to get in touch with the kid and it's just got some really heavy stuff but you know like sarah lancashire is you know coronation street actor mm. and it's that thing with there's so many people in soaps that are really great actors and they do soaps for like 30 years right and then so few of them then get someone who's a phenomenal writer go come and do my serious tv drama you know and use your your, your chops and your kind of relatable acting skills you know and yeah like, i think like sally wainwright's like taking her on as like okay you're you're the uh um toshiro mifune to my kira kurosawa you know <laughs> you're gonna be like my my actor kind of thing and um it just works so well it's got it's got so much like it proper the end of the last series i think she has all this like ambivalence about she's brilliant to her grandson brings up the grandson brilliantly but she has all this ambivalence to him because of who his dad is you know mm. But she still brings him up great, you know. But it's that's there as a thing, and yeah, I think it was the end of the last series. I think there've been two series, maybe three. Yeah, it's probably made me cry. I just think it's a fantastic thing, and it's also like really gripping crime drama with proper like desperation policing and police work, and like we've got to you know got to bend the rules here, got to got to do it not how you're supposed to do it, and it's fantastic and it's it's you know it's all set in it's not huddersfield it's not halifax it's another town somewhere around there in the in yorkshire and it's it's just like totally local show you know like like you're talking about wilsden in the other one it's like i I love shows which just totally inhabit a a local place and so like when you watch a series of the show you're like i kind of know that place now like that's that road that goes down to there and then there's the shops the police station's there if you're driving out of town there's that road there that goes up to that other character who's up there and you get that real sense of it and yeah yeah i really like that and i think it's really nice to have a kind of she's an older woman cop who is not glamorous you know what i mean she's not helen mirren you know what i mean this, this is very much like i'm a northern policewoman you know and i don't take any crap and i'm and i'm absolutely kind of a single parent and i'm absolutely gonna get this case done and look after my alcoholic sister all while you know all, all while being pretty stressed myself and having my own like it's just just top-notch stressy northern drama <laughs> i'm glad you mentioned it actually because i like it feels like something i've been meaning to watch for so long and i'm glad it's popped back into my sphere of things where I, was, I was just going oh yeah i'm gonna watch this i keep meaning to watch that i just i always forget about it um and also i mentioned someone this afternoon that i was doing this and they immediately said oh yeah yeah happy valley and i went I haven't seen it and it made me go oh yeah yeah i really got to get on this uh but it is obviously just one of these things where people immediately go for that as their yeah 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 that's, it's that's top i think of, yeah. of, of recent stuff it's really top and that's sally wainwright does loads of stuff that's really funny you know she can mm. do funny she's done funny tv cops you know she can do that as well but 
this isn't really funny at all, but it's it's really good. And it's a cut above a lot of the other. There's, there's been much bigger crime shows, you know, kind of British yeah. crime drama, kind of ITV, your broad churches and things and stuff. This is way better than that. It's right. much, 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 much better than that. It's top notch. I'll get on that, I think. And there's a new series like coming out next year, so I just checked that today. Uh, my number two, it's a bit pedestrian, but it had some... It was always going to be on my list, and it's ended up quite high up. And it's Dave Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, just probably the most—is it the most classic seventies cop show? Definitely, when I was a kid, it was sort of. It seemed to be Starsky and Hutch seemed to be like spoofed on everything, yeah. like Malcolm and Wise, the mm. two Ronnies. Benny Hill, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It was so iconic and everything. But the character is really is a good character. It's sort of everyone seems to, everyone seems to be that seems to be the favourite out of the two, Starsky and Hutch. And I don't know if it's maybe he's the one who's I don't know eating some manky hot dogs from a <laughs> stand, whereas Hutch is sort of doing his own health food. Or something, something that they when they made the film, the Ben Stiller film, they kind of reversed that, didn't they? Oh, I didn't see and, that. And they, re- they reversed that. Yeah, but I think that's probably to fit in with their usual on-screen personas. Oh, so yeah, Owen Wilson yeah. couldn't be the sort of um, straight-laced one. So yeah. they they sort of mixed it, reversed it. But yeah, no, I think one of the big things for me when I was a kid was seeing a program where the main character wore trainers because (laughs) especially cops, they always wore shoes. Yeah. And if you're like six or seven or eight, you kind of, you, you sort of like, you think they're cool, but you always go, Oh, look at their shoes. Yeah. Rubbish. But he had like proper trainers on, you know, sneakers. Yeah. Kicks, crepes. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah. So he was quite, uh, to a young kid, at the time, he was quite dapper in a way and cool. Uh, but also just the music of the show. There's yeah, just yeah, loads yeah. of funky incidental music that's just really great. Um, yeah, and when people, when people would spoof it, they'd spoof the music as well. Do you know what I mean? They'd have some, yeah. like, some bass, bass line going and some you know drumming on it and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. I mainly just remember spoofs of, like, yeah, the opening title sequences yeah. mainly. Um, but yeah, I just used to love it. And it was that sort of thing. Everyone would be playing Starsky and Hutch in the playground mm. and everyone would want to be Starsky as well. <laughs> so you'd um, be playing Starsky and Starsky and Starsky and Starsky and Starsky. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not like, uh, it's one of those shows that I'm kind of familiar with, but like I've hardly ever watched it, I think. Have you watched it recently? Is it something that's held up? It's yeah, it's held up for what it is, um, and it's it's weird because the, I, was there about four or five seasons of it, and it starts off. I think as it went on, I think Paul Michael Glazer and David Soul, I'm sure they started wanting to direct and write, maybe not write, but definitely direct more of it, and it kind of it changes as it gets later. So certainly the first few seasons feel different to the later ones but it is kind of it, it was it like the first 
sort of like buddy cop type thing, mm. wasn't it really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, some of the stories are quite gritty and stuff, um, but they do get, there are some silly stories in there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I grasped, for, for an American import show, I don't think I grasped ha- just how popular it was in the UK in the 70s. I remember reading somewhere like it is like one of the most popular TV shows of the seventies in the UK. Like it was a proper, I think it was like Saturday night or something. And it was like nine o'clock or something. It was real prime time show, but it's sort of funny now that I can, yeah, I know it more, almost more from people spoofing it than I know. Yeah. The show it was itself. like, it was like, it's just even, yeah. So, you know, growing up in the eighties, it was like, if you were going to call somebody some cops, you'd be like, Oh, look over there. It's Starsky and Hutch. You know what I mean? Mm. It was like if you're gonna name two <laughs> cops, name two cops, Starsky and Hutch. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm. It, it was like the ubiquitous, you know what I mean? It, it was it, it, it was, was huge. Show. Yeah. Mm. I remember everyone used in the like obviously it was well early eighties, late seventies, but there was used to get them really like horrible sort of flammable t shirts with a print on the front. They were always like white or navy blue and they had a full front print and they were quite sort of skinny fitting but you always got like batman spider-man and the other one was starsky and hutch yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) big photo print front yeah i reckon you could i reckon you could buy like you i bet you could get like a even a duvet cover or something you know like yeah probably and i think you've got like matchbox cars and things you'd kind of see sort of second hand in yeah definitely that time you would get that kind of stuff yeah, and Antonio Fargas like as well, who is kind of in like almost every black exploitation film as yeah. Huggy Bear as well. And that, that's kind of an interesting idea of having a character who's like an informer as well. Oh God, he was of... so fa- famous as a character. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like that's another thing. It's like a. He's not even in every episode or anything, is he? I no, know. I don't think he is. I th- did he not just become like so popular that? I'm sure he moved up in the credits. Sequence. Yeah, I guess that's it. I think right. he still like, starts out uh, as just like a character in one episode or something. And then it's like, he was so famous. He, he would come on into the UK and be like, I'm going yeah. on Parkinson, you know? And he'd be yeah. like, you haven't even <laughs> anything. You haven't even done nothing yeah. for Tina. He'd be like 1992, so they'll be going on Parkinson or something. Yeah, and you know? certainly even in the 90s, he'd be on stuff like The Word. He'd be like, oh, you've yeah. got Antonio Fargas on. Huggy oh, Bear. He'd be like, actually, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's like... It's like, wow, this is from a different era, though. Yeah, right? but it, but it's that thing, like you said, it being yeah. iconic. It's like that kind of thing. It's like it's just iconic, so it doesn't matter. And, and it must have been pretty much on repeat to this day, on and off. I reckon it would have been repeat on normal channels until the cable and stuff kicked in. Then it would switch yeah. over to them. And yeah, yeah. Dave Starsky. It's a good name as well. So just to point that out, Dave Starsky is a is a top name. Like like you, you've got two ways to go with police, I think, when you're naming them on TV is to go like, you know, Johnny Normal, like a really basic name, or you go something nuts. You know what I mean? Like Sledgehammer. You know what I mean? Like it, the spoof ones are the same as the proper ones or something, you know? Did the uh, love bug Starsky? Did he come I, he must have come after Dave Starsky, right? Yeah, Lovebug Starsky. And what was the other there is another Busy Starsky. B Starsky. Busy oh yeah, Bees. Busy B. Busy B. Busy B. So two rappers named themselves after Starsky. So definitely that kind of, I think that for that early hip hop generation, it was very much like a big influence of like this a cool, big this is a cool guy. My number two is uh, Columbo. Columbo. Uh, 
you know, it's one of those ones where it feels kind of like, ah, he'll be in the list. But like it, but where where he'd land, I wasn't sure. But he is like, it's one of those sort of perfect kind of police detective shows, really. And the fact it is this sort of, you know, you know, it's not who done it. You see the murderer. Columbo doesn't even usually show up till like half an hour in. After <laughs> yeah. You see the whole crime take place. Columbo shows up and he's like, I think, I presume, you know, and you, the guy, you see the murder, you see the murderer, you know who it is. Uh, and Columbo comes in and has to solve it. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that shouldn't work, but is always really kind of gripping and uh the idea that he is this kind of you know the the murderer will always be a big guest star whether it be patrick mcgoohan or johnny cash or robert culp or whoever it is that week comes in and they're a big star and i guess they do it as well because they're sort of the main character that week because mm. they're going to have more screen time than colombo colombo's going to come in halfway through uh and and what i didn't know is peter falk colombo apparently he would know his lines, but he'd basically improvise everything and would do things like when he comes out, he'd apparently have like a, you know, and the other actors wouldn't know what he was going to do. So instead of doing the lines, Peter Falk would like pull out his shopping list and read what he needs at the groceries or whatever. And he'd have the (laughs) actors a bit like, because they wanted to react to him. Like he is this kind of like, this guy's crazy. Who is this guy? Who is this little, you know, this little police detective who, and the idea is, He's a kind of working class police detective. He wears an old Mac and he's often operating in this kind of um, kind of big money world where there's some high crime going on. And he kind of wanders in, uh, solves it all. But of course, by acting, spending most of it essentially being a pal to the murderer and acting like, well, of course, you've got nothing to do with this. But he's on him from the start. And he always gets to leave and he gets to go, oh, just one more thing and unravel the whole thing. <laughs> Love it. So satisfying every week, even though it's the same show every week. <laughs> the same thing happens every week, but it's always very satisfying. Um, What's his first name? What's his first name? Well, apparently they don't mention it in the show, but apparently on some times when you when you see it like written down, Apparently, it's it says Frank Columba. Yeah, you never really know is it's never mentioned in the show. But apparently, if you see like paperwork and things, it says Frank Columba. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Oh no, go on. (laughs) No, I was going. I I, he was really nearly did make my list, but uh, he didn't make it in the end. But I do love the show, Mm. and. But I didn't know if it was more to do. I didn't know if it was not so much the character of Columbo that I liked, as in the whole show. And it, like you say, it very much is about who that guest star is. If it's like mm. William Shatner or whoever, it's like their chance to really like they can really sort of pull out all the uh, pull out all their big acting guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's totally <clears throat> like you say, they are the main star of that episode. And Columbo just sort of like feeds, yeah, feeds into that. So, so in it, some ways, it's a, a thankless task in a way, but I think it's kind of clever with that show that he is such a kind of character. And I think that's because it's Peter Falk, and you kind of get the impression. I assume that's what Peter Falk's like. 
I assume he's Columbo, and that's his like day to day, his day to day life. But such, but I, I think he's kind of he's got such charisma as this man who's almost trying not to have charisma. He's like he's almost trying to blend in the background and just be this normal guy. But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a great show, I, and I, I do particularly like Columbo. I like all that stuff where you know he talks about his wife all the time. You never see his wife. I found out today as well that because um, Peter Falk was, um, you know, he's in all the Cassavetes movies and things, and they were like, well, is he going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to have this as like a weekly show, however many weeks a year? And they were like, I don't think Peter Falk's going to do it because he's like a film actor. And so they, uh, and not, not because he wouldn't do TV, it was more that he wouldn't want to work at that TV schedule. So like they negotiated that, Columbo was on telly monthly. Well, incorrect, like just because like nothing else had that schedule. So they'd release it, you'd have one episode a month. And I guess that makes it even more special when they were coming on. That it just was like so each episode I guess ended up being a bit of an event because I guess people were going, Is it Columbo this week? It's like, nah, not this week. And probably like that three weeks out of four. Was it Columbo? No, it was a Columbo last week, so it's not on this week. <laughs> I love the idea that they, and just because they made, and it pushed the quality up, and that's why you had like Spielberg and people direct episodes of Columbo, because it was like, it was much more like a, a movie schedule. Yeah. And you could do this kind of, even though it was him on the rise, you know, but it was still, you know, you'd still get kind of big directors to do it. Um, and just like, you know, great guest stars. And I guess if you were doing that show, you were essentially like you could get anyone because you're sort of the star of the show and you're in a big event TV thing. And it must be like a, must have become like a, oh man, I want to be, I want to do a Columbo. I want to be. Did uh, there, is there, because I'm a more, definitely more of a fan of the 70s ones. Hmm. Are there any great, like in the 90s ones, are there any great, really 90s, um, stars as the villain well there's like later on they've got like billy Connolly, right, in that's that one. so it's got like you know it has a bit like you have odd ones like that but a lot of it was part of thing when they started doing the revivals was part of it was kind of getting 70s actors back and just have him a bit older and go like let's have them back as just a different murderer so it still has a sort of feel of of being uh like the 70s show but it isn't you do notice it, like you say, it doesn't feel as good. But I mean, essentially, it's one of those things where you couldn't really put your finger on what's different about it because it's still, it's still exactly the same show. <laughs> it, growing up, I must have watched a lot of Columbo. Like I feel like it was on in the daytime all the time, mm. all the time. So it would be one of those things that would just be on. But it was because, like you said, like Columbo often actually turn up till the end of the episode or something. <laughs> you'd be, you'd have it on. You'd go. If you missed the opening credits, you'd be like, I don't even know what this is. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't even know what I'm watching. You know, it's some crime, but I don't even know what it is. You know, and then either if was it on, was it on ITV? Yeah, it was on ITV for a long yeah, so time. I remember have, being on. You'd have to go to an ad break to find out what it was. Right. If, <laughs> unless Columbo turned up, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I remember as a kid, not really. Like, I guess it was just like a lot of those things where you just go, it's like a grown up show. I'm not interested in this. And I, I think I was probably in my teens or something when I kind of just caught one kind of on the off chance and everything about it, it's really well made. 
it, you know, yeah, it, it, they 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 feel like they're. It, it feels like a film. It's really well shot. It's all like, and and I, then immediately you go, oh god, these are so kind of charming and so like totally buy into it, and they're very mm. watchable. And also, they're one of those things where like you do sometimes see those things at those time of DVD box sets where you go. Oh man, I could get the complete Colombo. But it is one of those things where I like coming across it more. And it's like, I don't think I want to get to the end of Colombo. I don't want to sit down and do all the Colombos and then go, I've got no more Colombos to watch. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, if one comes on, I do go, seen it. Seen it. It's this one. So you must because you be quite see high it high up. You should get a yeah, checklist. But, check them off. I bet there's some I haven't seen. Bet there's some I haven't seen. I'm sure a lot of the new ones I haven't seen either. But yeah, I, I, I think it's a great show. My number two is, I'm doing all the recent ones, is Detective William Morland of The Wire. Funk. 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 Uh, played by Wendell Pierce. And I love The Wire. I thought The Wire was fantastic. It's full of great, great police. Lester Freeman, Key McGregs, Jimmy McNulty. Great, great police. But, but Bunk's the... Over the course of all the series, Bunk is the like the hero one to me. He's just they never overdo him. You know what I mean? They they well maybe they do a couple of times, but they basically like <laughs> they, yeah they absolutely they don't overwrite him. So most of his best stuff is just looks that he gives people, probably McNulty, but just general kind of you're all idiots. This is all stupid looks and i think i think he's the only because a good thing about the wire is that they the characters are all very flawed you know nobody's like a great hero i think he's the nearest you get to like a kind of that's a hero character and this is a slobby lazy policeman who only does the good stuff kind of when he's like all right all right all right we'll do it and so it's great to have him as a kind of real hero character he's good police for sure natural police <laughs> my number one is theodore kojak from kojak as played by telly savalis in the original series because it's been redone since but yeah, i think they did do a remake didn't uh, they yeah I didn't watch it. Ving Rhames, was it? As yeah, yeah. It might have been great, but I didn't actually see it. And it, I don't know. He's so, like, just one of those characters that is Kojak. It is Telly Savalis. Mm. Very and, hard to, to shift that out of your mind and be like, oh, this is also Kojak. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, like, 1973 to 78. But it's one of those, it's one of those shows that it was it just reminds me of being like just going to bed and that music starting and it would be something that my dad would watch because it, it was sort of no this is like a serious gritty cop show and he kind of wouldn't watch he probably wouldn't watch starsky and hutch right kojak was a bit more serious then he's he's not sort of mucking about you know like starsky and hutch it's is more of a serious show um <laughs> But yeah, music's great, uh, the theme tune. But 
Yeah, Telly Savalis is brilliant. I can't believe Stavros is George Savalis, his brother, who doesn't look <laughs> anything <laughs> like him because he's got a massive <laughs> mop of curly hair. Yeah. To be fair, not many people look much like Telly like, Savalis. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess it was rare at the time because they really make a virtue of the idea that he's kind of Greek American, right? He's this like it's it's part of it. Yeah, I, th- I think originally when I think it was written as uh, the guy had um, a Polish heritage, but I think when they cast Telly Savalis, I think they just used his Greek background. So, but they kept the name Kojak. Yeah, but they kept the name Kojak, mm. which is not doesn't sound. Greek. Doesn't sound Greek. Yeah, right. Does sound, and Polish. I think it wasn't quite Polish either. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's but America. yeah, they kind of brought that quite a lot into it. And, Such um, an odd star, Telly Savalas. I really like seeing him in film. To me, I always just assume that like Kojak was like this first thing, but then you sort of realise later on he's got this sort of movie career in the kind of late sixties. Early yeah, it's kind of pre Kojak, where he's like very charismatic villains and things. Yeah, because uh, in, in the sort of what you, when did he do? See, in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, he's in the Dirty Dozen. That's early seventies. Yeah, and he's in lots of kind of Italian movies and lots of European movies in that in that kind of very early seventies. He's um the big uh, villain in on Her Majesty's Secret Service as well. So he's oh, Blofeld right, yeah. in yeah. one of the James Bond films, you know, and this is all before Kojak. And in my head, I always just assume that was after, like you kind of, it's only yeah. when you look at it, you go like, oh no, he's like, he has like a movie career before he's ever, you know, he does TV later, like a lot of film stars do, you know. Yeah, but- I, I definitely knew him first from Kojak and like, yeah, I realized he had all these other films behind him after. But yeah, it's weird because he's just one of those. There's not many sort of like big, iconic, bald actors. There's like, yeah. well, two that I could think of off the top of my head <laughs> him and like Yul Brynner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's kind of, he's an unlikely looking sort of New York cop, you'd think. But I think the whole show is like, it's really got that feeling of, it's all sort of not quite nicely shot and it's all in like downtown Manhattan or whatever. So it really has that sort of 70s New York grittiness, gritty feeling to it. Yeah. I really like it. It's still like watching it now, watching it back. It's not like it's my memories of, are not sort of just tinged by nostalgia. It is like, I think it is a good show and there's good yeah. dialogue. Yeah, it's... There's not much action. There's there's not there's a lot of scenes where they've caught the guy, the crook, and then he just sort of falls down a big mound or a, a side <laughs> of a, a, an embankment, and Kojak just sort of, still with his hands in his pockets, just sort of arrests him when he lands at the bottom. There's a lot of that. You don't see him running about too much, but yeah, it's more about the uh, all the other stuff. Yeah, tremendously charismatic actor. And also weird, he would have had like a recording career, I guess, around that time as well. Yeah, I don't know if that would that have spun off of the popularity of that series. I reckon that's series. what he's done, yeah, yeah. But you do that, like, I mean, he came up in our top five Daves, but like Edward Woodward, when he was Callan, was also bringing out records. Because I guess you just yeah. sort of have this opportunity. You say, oh, do you want to do a record? You're on telly? It's like, sure. I guess these opportunities just come. I think I think uh, if you're in the second half of the 60s or first half of the 70s, you could do 
you could easily just tack a music career onto almost any high profile yeah. life, you know, like yeah. you'd be like, do you want to record an album? You know, someone from some label would come and be like, do you want to record an album? Cause I reckon we can sell that. You know, and they're yeah. like, yeah, why not? I've always fancied myself as a singer, you know, like. Now it's uh, the domain of uh, Bradley Walsh, isn't it? He can do it. He did an album a couple of years ago and I think, Alexander Armstrong does albums that they sell to. Really? They sell them to Nans at Christmas, I think. Alexander That's... Armstrong does albums. What yeah, is he it does like, albums. Sort of like Michael Bublé. Yeah, like a number one album or something. I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's what it's like. Oh, I didn't need to know. That. And what about Bradley Walsh? He does one that's all like you know swing sonatry type things. Oh, you know, yeah. that kind of uh, yeah. that caper. Of course he does. Of course he does. That's <laughs> the that's the world we're living in now. Telly Savalis one time, and now it's Bradley Walsh doing his recording contract. But yeah. Uh, that's a great one. Great detective. And again, I would have imagined you would have popped a Kojak in at some point. Although I've totally forgotten. I've totally forgotten you hadn't been on your list already. But I think like a bit like Starsky and Hutch in that thing is like it was iconic for decades afterwards. So do you know what yeah. I mean? Like again, you just say like, oh yo, ooh. you know, if someone does figure something out, you'd be like, All right, Kojak, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like anyone who's bald is Kojak. Anyone who's bald is Kojak, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps still, perhaps still. Yeah, is that your real hair? Are you Kojak, sis? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that from? Uh, what's that from? Cash Money and Marvelous. Yeah. Oh yeah. All, all the is it on all the ugly people be quiet? No, is it real? Is it real? Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Now you do your one next. I oh, know I'll do my one next because um, it won't. You guys won't have watched it, so you know, it won't be. It won't be a great ending. Um, oh, I don't know. My number one is uh, Sorgonor and Landsgrim Malmor. Sorgonoran uh, from the bridge or Bron in its original Danish slash Swedish, because it's uh-huh. you know it's about the bridge between Malmo and Copenhagen. But Sargonorin comes from the, the Swedish side, from the Malmo police. She has to go and work with someone from the Copenhagen police to solve crime, a crime which happens on the bridge. So it's like both jurisdictions, you know, it's in the, it's a big bridge. And um, she's like this kind of absolutely, no, I won't say passionate. She's ab- She has absolute conviction, right? I think they've said she's kind of got Asperger's. She's very much like totally straight speaking, like abrupt, frank, says outrageous things, thinks nothing of it. Um, And she gets paired with this really lovely guy, Martin, Martin Rod from the uh, Danish side of the bridge. And uh, they have to solve these murders and they have these very different techniques. He's very, he's got a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding and she doesn't understand anyone at all. And it's all sort of robotic and, um, you know, everything's obvious kind of thing. Like, what? no. And, but she's a top, a top detective. And, um, in later series, she's paired up with a guy called Henrik instead. And, uh, he's, you think, Oh, he can't replace mine. He's not, not as good. And he's, he's great. He's great. Uh, he's great too, but she's the absolute. I mean, this this is my favorite TV show of the last twenty years or so. It's, it's just, it's, I think it's the best. It's incredible. It's a really good like who done it. Every series is a really good who done it detective show, and 
the characters of you know the, the police characters whether they're ones that you like or ones that you don't like that they have to work with and stuff and there's a lot of bent police and dodgy people with big egos trying to advance their career and that kind of thing that they come across and all the characters are so phenomenal and the interactions between them the way people talk the the relationship the romantic relationships that happen things all just incredible and you have this like completely unusual character at the center of it this woman who is she is the she is the brain she is the one who gets it all done and yes she kind of needs a nice man to translate for her and she's the tough one like you know she would she will shoot some suspects running away she's going to shoot them and she's not going to miss because she's like almost a terminator you know but she, she is just yeah this phenomenal unusual character and uh she drives a green porsche 911 uh which you eventually eventually find out why the hell she drives a green porsche 911 and i think the last series won't do any spoilers there for anyone but it's 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 just like a phenomenal little detail i reckon it's just that the originally it must have just been like the props person was like i can buy this porsche it's like old porsche <laughs> it's like 80s porsche i could buy that for the show and someone's gone yeah do it you know that's what it feels like and uh but just like a super character and it's a show with an ending as well like it's 2011 to 2018 right but the ending it has an ending you know like the thing i hate most about tv shows that are successful now is they just keep doing them until everyone stops watching and then no one knows if they had an ending because no one cared by that point so i really like a show with an actual ending like they're like no we've written the end that's the end how many series did they do say four maybe five okay that's um, pretty good over six years or something oh it's top it's top 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 and there was some long waits because obviously being translated into into english sort of thing you know doing the subtitles it took a while it took a while to get them all out and you know you'd be waiting a long time for them but absolutely love it absolutely i mean she's just this a really phenomenal character and for the actor to play her and go like, yeah, you're playing a kind of Asperger's super cop who cannot do any normal normal uh, social interaction at all, right? But is an amazing cop. It's, that's not something you get to play every day, you know? It's, it, it, the thing is like, you know, <laughs> she's like, there's this thing where she's, um, she's uh, she, whenever she answers the phone, she says, Sognon, let's go Malmo. Like she all the time and when she meets anybody so i'm going to go and everyone's like hi like you know i'm dave whatever you know like she's she's like this kind of robotic delivery of everything and then but then like there's there's bits where she'll like she'll just say to somebody sexo you know it'll be like a character she'll be like you know do you want to have sex and they're like what what do you mean like she's like well i need to have sex sometimes do you want to and they're like oh uh yeah, I guess. She's like, okay, take off your clothes. You know, it's this kind of thing. And they're all just like, what the hell's going on? You know, like, she's there, the interaction she has with people is just baffling to them. But she, you really get to know her internal logic and her kind of how she sees the world and how she experiences the world. And it's like, it's like a really unusual trip to go down as a viewer. Yeah. I never Sounds really good. In, yeah. I, I, I would definitely it, watch it. When it comes back on, search it out. If, if you see it on the, I don't know, on the, on the Scandinavian channels, top notch <laughs> i never really got into any of the scandinavian drama things they but like a, it's that thing where 
they seemed to start and then there was almost like immediately about eight different ones and it was like oh, it's, this is the new good one you go oh it's too much already it's too I, I watched a bunch of them but it's the only one where i'd be like oh that's that's on another level like the killing or something turned into pure trash and it was mm. it wasn't a detective show it was just one of those shows where somebody blunders around and accidentally solves a crime that it's like infuriating to watch where you're like don't do that don't do that don't do that and at the end it's like yeah you solved the crime but you, you could have done it like 10 episodes ago if you hadn't just messed everything up <laughs> whereas yeah that's not what the bridge is like but yeah like, it's it's phenomenal it's definitely when all those other shows have disappeared into the distance it's the one that people go back to love it my number one is lester freeman from the wire um interesting very interesting that uh, the words come up to me it's interesting because to me he's he's definitely not the main character but for me it feels like that series is waiting for him before he comes on it and it's this uh um um in the first series before the character's introduced you have a few episodes i think without him is he in the and first series at all yeah, he's in the first series. Yeah, okay. but I think it's like um, I think he comes in um, about halfway through. Uh, he's played by Clark Peters, who I kind of recognise because he's one of those actors who, for years, I assumed was English because in the eighties he's in loads of English things, and I guess he's just over here doing theatre for a while or whatever. And they kind of talk him up. They talk about this character, and he's this sort of great detective. And they kind of, when they're assembling their team to bring down Avon Barksdale, they're kind of talking about Lester Freeman. You see, you have this, he sort of has this, uh, um, what's the word? Like a kind of allure about him before you find out who this he's character is. He's got an aura. Is. Like you hear aura. Like, he's, yeah, he's yeah, like they, a bit of a legend about him. And they, they find him and he's, because he's kind of, um, again, because he's good, good police, he's, um, I think he, he, there's someone like a fence or something that he's, sent down but it's like a political thing where he was told not to to bring this guy in so he's then been uh he's been put in like what's called like the pawn shop which is essentially just looking after all the evidence room kind of stuff where he uh sits there making dolls houses that he supplements his income with yeah dolls house furniture whittling dolls house furniture and it's like when he turns up you they can introduce his character who is like the Sherlock Holmes of the wire universe, who is like by far like, like famous in the police department for being like the best detective I've got, but who is being completely underused and they bring him out and he's such this kind of, it does feel like when he turned up, I remember going, this is what this show needs. This is like, this is who I've been waiting for. And you just bring on this kind of like almost like super detective, to do all the, um, the kind of, and, and it's that sort of methodical work. And it's him just going through like phone bills and things. Cause he's like, it, it's that kind of, uh, um, taking away all the kind of, you know, who could it be? All right, well, we've got this huge job to do. So I'm methodically going to go through phone bills. And I, and again, it's, I think in the second and third year, I think that's when they team him up with bunk. So then you've got Bunk and Lester Fremont who are both kind of sort of opposites, but they're the kind of partnered together when he then becomes like just one of the 
the team from that point onwards. But I remember like in that first series, almost like, yeah, this is exactly what we need. And it felt it felt that you kind of knew the character before he came in. And I was I was totally sold on it. When he turned up, it was just like, this guy's my favorite. This guy's my favorite. On a, on a show which is full of great police. Because it, it just sort of throws in. Like, I think David Simon does that quite often. He sort of throws in, it's like a sort of curveball. Like they bring in the kind of archetype character who shouldn't really exist in the wire universe. And to me, it is like they've gone, it's like a show, um, you know, about different levels of uh, how drugs are affecting society in this Baltimore town from the bottom up. And it's kind of like a really clever show. And I've got all these police who are really ground level police. And they might as well have said, I'll tell you, we need on the team, Sherlock Holmes. Because they basically bring in this character who's basically almost like Sherlock Holmes level yeah, and he's, kind of intellect. He's older than the others and, and he brilliant. wears like cardigans and stuff. Do you know what I mean? He's like, he's not. But that's why, so, so I have one problem with Lester Freeman, right? It's like, so he's like, he's wearing like funny, like granddad cardigans and he's hmm. got gray in his beard and he sits in the, in the, in the office, you know, on his desk doing the methodical police work sort of thing. And it's very good. But why is he, he ends up like marrying the, the woman who's like a stripper that they interview in the, in the first yeah, series. Yeah, and, yes. he like, she, and she's like, I don't know, she's like 22 and she's beautiful. And she's like, just marries him because he's such a good guy or something. And then he's like, get a woman you know kind of thing and it's i find that bit a bit like this is this is silly to throw in but yeah i think the idea is i don't know i always get the idea he's kind of like they bring in like a genius to figure it all out i kind of love that where they i don't know i just think he's sort of quite a big character not that other characters in it aren't big but almost a slightly kind of unbelievable way out figure comes in and it kind of almost shouldn't work but the way he's kind of talked up and the reveal of him, I remember just being totally, I mean, maybe it was just at that point, I'm so kind of suckered into the series that it's just like brilliant. I love this, it. Is, this is the second character, though, that you described where they're like the overlooked policeman who's actually yeah. doing great work. Yeah. Is, is that how you see yourself in the police force of life? In like, the police force like of life. Underlooked, you know, overlooked kind of guy plugging away at good being good police but not yeah. being properly recognized by the other police well probably well um uh our, you're our second guest we've ever had on uh but the only other guest we've had on is uh hayley campbell and while working together in a comic book shop we both referred to each other as good police because we'd be able to triangulate customers who had maybe dumped comics work out who it was who dumped done comics some crime. Way, for those listening at home dumped comics means you've picked up some comics while you're walking around the shop and then you decided you didn't want them so you've put them down in the wrong place wrong place right? wrong place this can go with any product in any retail environment just for the record <laughs> but for us it was important to find out who's done this who's done this so that we knew when they came in again that they were criminals comics shop criminals so just you'd be like oh, okay Right, it's interesting. It's interesting that you turned out to be a criminal. And that was the level of police work that we were doing at the time. Um, it's good retail. Uh, will you still, to this day, like return things to the correct aisle in the supermarket if you see them like in the wrong bit? Oh, someone's left sausages in amongst the like kids' magazines. Well, I'm always worried when it's um, fridge fridge items because I always how go, long well, how long has it been there? there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What about Otherwise, freezer items? Oh, they're, they're goners. They're goners, man. If you, if you, even if you, even if someone decides at the till they don't want it, the freezer items at my Tesco, they will either walk them straight back to the freezer or they just sling them. They're just like, forget yeah. it. It's dead. Don't try and revive it. We've lost him. You know. Um, uh, that's one of the things in supermarkets now. Slightly, when people do that kind of, I don't want this anymore. Can I just leave that here? And of course you go. Of course you can. But I'm always like. No, if that was me, I'd have taken it back before I got here. Hundred percent, man. I will walk down ten aisles to put something back in the right place. Me too. Me too. If you've worked in retail, you're just not going to be doing that. Of course not. Of course not. So that's why I would say, yeah, I am overlooked. Good police, although technically not overlooked, because the only true police there were me and Haley Campbell. We we both kind of uh, gave each other the good police nods to go. That's good police work to work out who that was. I uh, I I knew a detective for a while, um, and um, I was just like, ah, oh, tell me about your work, and uh, he just couldn't talk about it in any interesting way. And I was like, no, but that's really interesting. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And then he'd just be incredibly boring about it. And he, <laughs> I found that really disappointing. Like, oh God, no wonder it takes like top writers to write, you know, detective <laughs> shows. I don't think many detectives become good detective writers. I think, you know, it's. Yeah, maybe there. It's probably one of those jobs that you'd really want to do. But if you did it, you'd be like, this isn't what I signed up for. I don't think I'd be cut out for it. Herc, you think you'd be a detective? No, not at all. No, I'm not cut out for it either. Also, I think I'd have to... Just, I don't think I'd be a police detective. I think I'd have to go sleuth. Private eye. Like, so, yeah, because then you could you could come up with a thing, right? A look and a, an eccentricity. <laughs> You'd have to come up with like an eccentricity that you could right. turn up places like a monocle or something. Yeah, That's you, what you'd, you'd want to do it that way. You, you don't, have to, you don't have to fit in with something else. You can just... Yeah. You'd go create your own. No, you go cravat. That would be your thing. You know, something, something that you'd have to do. Some, you'd have to dress some weird. It could be anything. It could be that I start wearing chains and um, gold chains or something. You'd want something. Essentially, if you're an amateur sleuth, you'd look like someone who presented Bargain Hunt or one of those things (laughs) showing up (laughs) somewhere. You'd want to be like someone like those Bargain Hunt guys. They're like the kind of closest thing we've got to people who turn up to solve a crime. (laughs) One of those guys turned up for murder. I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. They, Let's David get this Dickinson guy involved. Cross with Lovejoy. That's what you're saying, yeah. basically. <laughs> exactly. Something yeah. between the two. Yeah, yeah. And then that, that's who, like, if you're looking around, you'd be like, that's who can solve this. Let's yeah. get them involved in Like, if you uh, just got crimed in the street, you were crimed yeah. in the street and you looked around and you saw, like, David Dickerson, you'd be like, exactly. help, I've been crimed. Yeah. It'd be the guy who could sort it out, I reckon. Um, any any um, other good detectives that didn't make the grade? I, got, I just one one iconic looking one who wasn't on a particularly good TV show and wasn't a particularly good cop, but boy was he iconic uh, growing up. Was uh, DC Alfred Lyons? Do you know who that is Tosh Lyons? Tosh Lyons, of course. <laughs> he was on my honourable mentions as well because he's not that great, but boy did he have a great moustache and just yeah, general yeah, look. Yeah. Like that was like he was a singular human being on the telly at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Not people look like that. I've and seen Burnside his... from the Bill as well. Burnside. Yeah, DCI Burnside. Um, there's quite a few of those Bill ones, I guess, but yeah, they're just more sort of bobbies, aren't they? Yeah, certainly at points. Um, who else did I have? Uh, we well, got uh, Crockett and Tubbs, Miami Vice, 
another very watchable show when you see it. It's a good show. Frank Pembleton would have been on my, and that's why I didn't have him because I didn't want to. I thought I can't have two David Simon cops on my list, so Fair I had enough. to. Fair enough. I had to sacrifice him. Um, one that comes up on Talking Pictures is uh, Gentle Touch, Maggie Forbes, Jill Gascoigne, Jill Gascoigne, yeah, yeah. yeah. later Cat Size. Um, uh, uh, the first series I really liked of Broadchurch. It kind of lost its way, but um, Olivia Coleman, Ellie yeah, Miller, is that, great. and in that way where you kind of the David Tennant cop is very kind of trad, yeah, ITV cop, yeah, and they sort of Ellie Miller's the one who gets to do stuff and gets to do the proper character stuff and has proper art, whereas mm. David Tennant's basically the same guy all the way through. Yeah, he's kind of one note. He's good in it, but he's like um kind of one note yeah you're very right we've seen that policeman i think that's an interesting thing with more with more female lead cop shows coming out now than the than they used to be that you get to see characters you haven't seen before whereas we have yeah. seen an awful lot of male cops before because we've been so many cop shows for so many decades yeah. and one of my yeah. favorites is uh john Solway, who is a character in our friends in the north uh who heads up the like bent cid who are like shaking down soho in the in the oh yeah 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 late 60s and um he's a terrifying cop played by david schofield and just really seedy and ugh, like you know what i mean the worst of cops the absolute worst of cops. a lot of time for david schofield on our friends in the north i kind of wanted to have fitz from cracker but he's criminal psychologist rather than detective and i guess if i was gonna have a detective it would be uh david bibra who is uh, Chris Freckleson, R.A.P. Not Chris Freckleson, David Bibra in Cracker. Um, <laughs> the Chris Freckleson is still with us. But a great, a great cop. But in a in a way, you kind of don't want you want to have Fitz rather than Bibra. Um, you got any more? I had well, I had Frank Drebin on my list, but I thought I couldn't have two sort of comedy ones on my list, so he just gets an honourable mention. Um, I did have Columbo on my honourable mentions and a couple of cartoon ones, which is the inspector from the Pink Panther cartoon yes. series, yes. which is basically, yeah, uh, Inspector Cluzo yeah. based on um, Peter it's Sellers. Like yeah. But I just really love the way, I just love the way that's drawn. Yeah, and fantastic. it is it is almost better than the Pink Panther cartoons, the, the yeah. Inspector bits. Yeah. yeah. And the other one was PC Copper from a show called Bod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cagney and Lacey as well. Is it Mary yes, Beth? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Lacey was quite a good character because they, they, that was the bit, the character that was more like, oh, this is my home life as well. And what it's like being a mum as well as being a cop at the same time. Um, I thought of Officer Dibble from Top Cat, but then I realised I don't really like Officer Dibble. No, I like Top Cat. <laughs> it's a dickhead. It's a yeah, dickhead. I like Top Cat. Um, Another recent one um, uh, is uh, I don't know if you watched any of this. I don't know if you watched The Missing, but is uh, Julian uh, Baptiste. Uh, I've forgotten the actor's name, but he's a he's a he's a, he's a French turkish actor and musician like a jazz musician and singer and like my god has he got charisma to burn like and he's doing this you know it's a british show but you know he's a 
he's a French detective who's kind of, he's, you know, he's talking like Arsene Wenger, you know, he's like got a fantastic sort of French for English people accent, you know, but we must <laughs> investigate his crime. He's very important. You know, and he's just, he's, <laughs> it's fantastic. He's, it's a bit slightly trashy show. And then he got, he's got, so he's in the missing and he got spun off into his own show, Baptiste. But, um, yeah, it's, it's seriously charismatic. And he's like, you know, he's like a retired cop, you know, he's like a retired detective who's like going back on these kind of cold cases and trying to crack them and stuff. I love a bit of cold cases. I love that. What's it called? Unforgotten. Um, you watch that now? No. Unforgotten. No. Oh, I can't remember the name of the woman who's in it. She's great. Just, yeah. Cold case kind of uh, things that come back up, you know, a body's been discovered and it's 30 years old. That's my kind of detective work. One I'd recommend to you, Herc, is uh, have you ever seen New Scotland Yard? Have you seen that show? New Scotland. I've seen Scotland Yard. I don't, I don't think they're related either. New Scotland Yard, I think he's from about 73. And it's probably like an influence on something like the Sweeney. But it's, um, uh, what's he called? John Kingdom, is he called? John Kingdom is played by John Woodvine, who's like the cop from American Wealth in London. And um, he's he's like an old school copper who is teamed up with a young copper who's very much like I'm breaking the rules. And he's like, nah, you're not. It's, it's a good, it's a good kind of mismatch thing. Um, but again, it's sort of filmed. Uh, it's all sort of studio based. So it doesn't have the kind of longevity that something like the Sweeney has, but it's a really good police procedural show. Was Lots it like of guest stars. ITV one. ITV. Um, kind of thing that wouldn't surprise me if it showed up in the talking pictures. It's a good show. It's a good show. Uh, you have like Bob Hoskins pops up as villains and things and it. it's good. Very good guest stars. Uh, yeah, sort of very old school copper with new young uh, Alan Ward, DCI Alan Ward, who's a bit of a dickhead and you like <laughs> Woodvine, but he's sort of, he's a bit trying to break the rules, sort of beating people up. Woodvine's having none of it. It's that sort of um, older copper, younger copper. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll look out for that. Let's say again, so your your book, Jinx Freeze, is out on October 7th. Um, check it out, and you've got a website to see if it's your cup of tea. What's it's your website? LordHerk.com, right? That's right, yeah, that's it. Lord, H-U-R-K. Uh, we were saying recently that you've dropped, you've you've lost your title, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> just Herc no, yeah, I've kind of eased that out. It's LordHerk.com, and... Um, otherwise people call me Lord. Yeah. yeah. Lord. Yeah. Lord. Lovely stuff. I, thanks to us for thinking of that one. Cause nobody, that wasn't someone else's idea, but mm. do hit us with more ideas for top fives. We've got some more coming through. I just want to correct Nat before when you said the only other guest you've had is Haley. No, we had Billy on as well. Oh, we did. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah. Big, big apologies <laughs> to Billy there. No, no. you just seen him this week. He's been staying with no, him. That's I terrible. Forgot, I forgot. What an asshole. I forgot. Um, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Herc. We, yeah, it was no, really good you. to have you on. We wanted to have you on for ages. And let's let's come back on and we can do film cops or just sleuths. Yeah, TV sleuths. Amateur, amateur professional sleuths. I thought we were going to do top five hats. Hats is good. I could do top five hats. Top five hats I was quite keen on. You're not that bothered about hats, are you, Nat? I'm just trying to think if I'd do a top five or what. I'd have to do some hat research and just do. It'd probably be similar to the flags one. We'll have to research some hats and go. Just get a like book of one. hats. Go to the library. Yeah. Any books on hats? And then just do some research. Yeah. 
I could do some research. Hat Metcalf. Nice. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, thank you for listening. Yeah, cheers. We definitely will be back you. soon. Um, uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>